0: good to be with you guys and to see you everybody doing okay doing good title of my talk is in times like these and I'm, I'm gonna come out of first Timothy 2 if you want to find that on your phones or whatever you look at but before I do that I'm gonna I need to give you some context of what I want to say. I need to set some things up. You know, I personally believe that the most consistent tool that the Lord has used through the years to bring people to faith in Christ is the preaching of the Word of God. In fact, if we took an inventory, probably find many of you here came to Christ under that very tool. But I'm also fascinated through the Gospels how many different tools Jesus uses to, the different methods to bring people to faith. He gave us a secret about that. He said, You know, all that I can do is what I see my Father doing, and all that I can say is what I hear my Father saying. How many of you think that might be good advice for us? Mm-hmm. So the whole point was Holy Spirit knows individual heart needs, and He knows exactly what button to push. The guy that y'all were talking about on the downtown Asheville today. He knows exactly what button to push to lead a person through their thoughts. Golly, I have to preach under my armpit. (laughs) To lead a person uh, in their thoughts and in their commitments. Let me give you an example. How many of you remember in the Bible Mary, Martha, and Lazarus? They were a very wealthy household, yet they were never required to sell their goods and give them to the poor to follow Christ. Yet when the rich young ruler came to him, what did he say to the rich young ruler? Sell everything that you have and give it to the poor. It was necessary for him. Now, it's not a double standard. He's looking for what controls and impacts the hearts of the individual. Jesus always targets that with laser accuracy. He would rebuke one into another. He'd simply say, go and sin no more. So his method of bringing people into life would change. For each individual. You all okay with that? Yeah. So th- this really gives a headache to our legalistic brothers and sisters who want to set of rules and regulations that everybody has to follow. Four steps and a prayer. You-, you get it? Now, there's two references I want to give you before we go to the first Timothy 2. The first is in Luke 5. Jesus is in a boat. He's preaching to a crowd of people. And he turns to Peter and he says, Hey, Peter, cast your net on the other side. Peter's been fishing all night, hadn't caught any fish. When Peter puts out his net, there are so many fish that it begins to sink the boat. And Jesus makes a statement to him. He says, you know, from now on, you're going to be catching men. How many of you know he's talking about evangelism? When Jesus prophesied this evangelistic anointing over the church, he used as an illustration a net that's about to sink a boat as a standard. Not a pole with just a trickle of a few people coming here and there, but something that has to do with massive conversions. Okay, log that in the back of your mind. So they put the net on the other side, caught so many fish, boats about to sink. Peter drops to his knees and he says, depart from me for I'm a sinful man. Here's the fascinating thing. Peter's repenting and confessing and Jesus hadn't preached any sermon. All he's done was a little display of power. Interesting thing about the power of God. How many of you have experienced the power of God in some way? Mm -hmm. I mean, it. it, okay. Interesting thing about the power of God is that it automatically draws a line in the sand. You can do all sorts of humanitarian things, and you should do them. Feed the poor, help the homeless, all these things. No one's ever offended by that. But when somebody gets healed by the supernatural power of God, people get upset. Mm -hmm. Because power draws a line in the sand. It causes people to decide for or against. And for many people, they avoid that lifestyle simply for that reason. They don't want to bring division. So Peter drops to his knees, depart from me, I'm a sinful man. A miracle brought him to repentance, a demonstration of power. Something so captured his heart about that miracle that he left all of his lifestyle to follow Jesus. That's an incredibly unique story. Well, there's another little addendum to it. It's also a unique story in the fact Peter's a fisherman. What does he do for a living? Mm. Brilliant. <laughs> so it's a story of supernatural supply. It's a miracle also of provision. Y'all see that okay? Here's a verse you need to lock away deep in your hearts. Hosea 3.5. Matthew, Mark, Luke, Hosea. Hosea 3.5. In the last days people will fear God because of his goodness. Three five, Hosea. What happened to Peter? Jesus gave abundant supply of his goodness, and Peter drops to his knees. What happens to the guy that y'all were talking with and praying for and warring for? God showing his goodness. I'm going to suggest to you, men and women, that we are living in a time where this verse is going to come to fruition unlike you've ever seen it before. You're going to see various displays of the power and the goodness of God in ways you've never seen before. And it's going to cause people to tremble. Actually, the fear of God brings people to God. Pause there for a moment. It doesn't drive them away. I've heard people say, there's no fear in God anymore. That's Old Testament. Because now we're in love, you know, and love removes fear and all that stuff, and there's no fear in love. Well, all I have to say about that is that person whoever made that thought up obviously wasn't married. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, guys, that's that's a little funny. <laughs> 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 exactly. So here we have the story of Peter and this miracle of provision. This deep, profound profound repentance. And this is the whole beginning of him laying down his life to follow Christ. Okay, lock that away in your head. Second story I'm going to make reference to before we go to the first Peter 2 is Luke 19. There's a crowd around Jesus, very short man in the edge of the crowd. He's pressing in, can't see, runs down the road. You know the story. His name is Zacchaeus. Climbs this tree in anticipation that Jesus is going to come. And Jesus calls him and says, Zacchaeus come down out of the tree because today I'm going to your house for lunch. Now, what's Jesus doing? Yeah, well, that's true, too. (laughs) But what he's also doing is a profound act of honor. Everybody wanted Jesus to come to their house for lunch. Yet Zacchaeus was the chief tax collector. You know the story. Crooks, swindlers, stealers. They would tax on behalf of the government, skim off the top, accumulated a lot of wealth because they abused and took advantage of people, despised by everyone. So when Jesus told this guy, of all people, that he was coming to his house for lunch, Jesus did for him, Zacchaeus, what everybody was wanting Jesus to do for them. Profound act of honor. Demonstration of the goodness of God. There's no sermon. Nothing that caused, you know, Jesus didn't get in Zach's face and stick his bony finger out there and scream at him to repent. You know, you're a thief. What you have been stolen. Didn't do any of that. What he did was an act of honor that showed Zach something about the goodness of God that he didn't know yet. And it was so overwhelming. Remember, Zach hadn't heard any sermons yet. That as he's walking with Jesus towards his house, he turns to Jesus and says, you know, I'm going to give half of my wealth to the poor, and if I've stolen or defrauded anybody, I'm going to repay them four times what I took from them. What's happening? He's repenting and making restitution. No sermon, only the goodness of God. Right. The kindness of the Lord displayed through honor. Y- y'all getting that okay? I believe that's an incredibly part, important part of this gospel story. Because I believe it's an important theme of what God is saying to the church in this hour. One of the benefits of traveling going a lot of places is when I hear the same thing in several different places what does that tell you? It's not about that locale. It's something the Father is saying that's bigger than a local scale. And this goodness of God revelation theme, whatever word you want to use, is absolutely huge. And it's not goodness without difficulty, but it's goodness in the midst of difficult things. And for you and I, we have to learn how to anchor our hearts in the goodness of God. That has to be our cornerstone. That's what enables us to hear clearly from the Holy Spirit. That's what enables us to serve others, to talk to a specific person, to speak directly to their specific needs instead of being cookie-cutter types of Christians. Mm -hmm. You ever notice the different miracles in the Bible? That there was never duplication? I mean, yeah, they fed people, then they fed 4,000 and 5... They always did something different. Principles are good. We need to learn them but it's more important that we need to learn from Holy Spirit how to hear so that we can move as he moves within us so that we can speak to the hearts of their needs so that we can demonstrate the goodness of God you see what a person when you speak to a need in a person's life that's when the goodness of God really comes home to them when you're talking to them about things that they have no need for and couldn't give a rip about That it's just a theological discourse. Mm -hmm. I remember years ago, a gal was visiting our church. That's when I was pastoring. I was praying for people at the front. She came up to the front. She said, Bob, I tried to commit suicide last week, and I found myself saying to her, normally I'm a compassionate guy, but before I could say anything, it it was out of my mouth. I said to her, "Well, well, then you need to Repent. And I don't usually use those kind of words because that's a religious jargon I'm not really big on. Most of the time in those kind of situations, you want to be compassionate, show love, show comfort, encouragement. But in this particular case, this erupted out of me. You need then to repent. You know what she told me later? She said that when you said those words, I physically saw the word repent come out of your mouth and it pierced my heart It was the grace of God that gave her what she needed in the moment. That's what the goodness of God looked like to her at that moment. Just so you don't miss equate goodness of God with just being lovey dovey and pat on the back. Okay? All right. I have long introductions, short messages. That was my introduction. Here we go. First Timothy 2, first four verses. He says, first of all, I urge that entreaties and prayers and petitions and thanksgivings be made on behalf of all men. Can you say out loud, on behalf of all men? All men, all men. All men. All men. Amen. For kings and all who are in authority. Well, we don't have a king. But we do have people in authority so that we may lead a tranquil life and quiet life in all godliness and dignity. This is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. Look again at verse 1. First of all, you might underline that, circle that. In the Greek, it's what we call a superlative, which literally means this is your top priority. He's saying, here's your priority, here's what I want you to focus on. I want you to be able to pray constantly and continuously for everybody, but especially those in authority, your kings, your president, your leaders. Oh, what do we do in times like this? Go hide? No. Pray for those who are in authority, those around you. Keep a continuous voice of prayer going. But then he adds the phrase, you gotta get this peace with thanksgiving. Thanksgiving focuses and guards your prayer, focuses your prayer and guards your attitude unlike any other thing. Mm -hmm. It changes the nature of your prayer. I know many people who don't pray for their leaders, they pray at their leaders. They pray what they think God needs to do concerning their leaders. We pray our political views. How am I doing? (laughs) Great. How many of you realize the Lord has called each of us to be priests? We're a royal priesthood. Do you know what a priest does? A priest is one who represents the people before God and God before the people. It's a unique role as a worshiper, as an intercessor, as one who prays. We pray for people. We pray on on their behalf. Not praying at them. On their behalf. Key phrase. But the moment we turn from praying on their behalf, to directing what we think God needs to do with them. You still listening? Okay. At that moment, God moves to defend them for our because of our misuse of authority. Mm-hmm. Have you ever prayed for someone and you thought, well, you know, God should have disciplined that person when actually God blessed them? All because the church accused them. God himself protected them from the misused authority. Sure. Guys and gals, you've got to get this. I'm talking to you about the difference between praying on behalf of someone, coming alongside, finding the heart and the mind of God, and praying that heart and mind of God for that person, looking at that person with the eyes of your heart rather than the eyes that are in your brain, or on CNN or CNBC or whatever you watch. no secret that the political spirit is running rampant throughout the country. The political spirit, and it is a spirit, is cruel and divisive. It feeds on failures and divisions. Mm -hmm. You can hear it all the time. You watch interviews, and as soon as somebody says something positive, a reporter tries to turn it into something negative. The political spirit doesn't care what side of an issue you're on as long as you stay angry. Mm -hmm. Angry about being right. Angry about everybody else being wrong. Why would I bring a message like this in times like these for tonight? because the people of God who know how to do the praying that I'm talking about on behalf of others can dismantle the political spirit. But when you don't pray like this and you pray at them rather than on behalf of them, something else happens. Regardless of who you vote for, we've all been given an assignment from the Lord to pray on behalf of did you say that? Amen. All leaders and people in authority. With giving of thanks. That thing, You can't be critical in, in giving thanks at the same time. It doesn't happen. The giving of thanks changes your attitude of prayer. You're no longer focused at them. One of my favorite guys in the Bible, favorite stories in the Bible, my favorite guys, is, is Nebuchadnezzar. Remember him? One of the wickedest men who ever lived. He'd kill people who wouldn't bow down and worship his, his little statue. It's weird. He had issues. So here's Neb, and he has at his side another guy, a godly guy named Daniel, who was supporting him. Never supporting his wickedness, never supporting his sin. He never did anything to protect the evil Nebuchadnezzar did. Yet he served him so profoundly, praying on behalf of. What's Daniel known for? Praying five times a day. He served him so profoundly that at the end end of Nebuchadnezzar's life, he had a dramatic turn towards the Lord. And his final words were words of praise to the Almighty God. I consider Nebuchadnezzar and the Gazarene demoniac probably the two greatest conversions in the Old Bible. Goodness of God. Something happened because Daniel knew how to pray on behalf of. It didn't happen because Daniel condoned the sin, but it happened because Daniel was loyal to his assignment. Men and women, I have have a revelation for you. I'm not the prophet or son of a prophet, but I can prophesy to you tonight a great piece of your destiny in this hour of your assignment from God is to pray for those in authority. Let me say it to you this way. If you do not see your assignment from God to pray for those in authority, you don't really know who you are in Christ. Y'all smile at me when I talk this way. This is good. (laughs) The only way you become a critical accusing person is to abandon your assignment to pray with thanksgiving on behalf of them. You can't pray and criticize at the same time. I prayed for Bush. Then I prayed for Clinton. Then I prayed for another Bush. (laughs) Then I prayed for Obama. That was a struggle, but I did. Now I'm praying for Trump. Here's the deal. The Lord has revealed how a culture is formed and developed, how values are shaped in a society through prayer. Here's what I want you to hear, men and women. When you pray for an individual, you actually help to influence the atmosphere from which they draw their ideas. When you fail to pray for leaders we leave them to draw from whatever atmosphere they're in. Even the demonic. Because the demonic does want to influence. Y'all okay? A couple hundred years ago, believers in a particular nation felt that their leader was the Antichrist. The church took the position to refuse to pray for him. The man in the absence of the prayer covering became vulnerable to the things he would not have become vulnerable to before. And he actually became the fulfillment of their prophecy. He became the Antichrist to them. He opposed, persecuted, led great opposition against the church. And that all developed in the absence of prayer support from the body of Christ. Hope you were getting to feel some responsibility. If you were one of the believers during that time, you would have probably said, yeah, I'm not praying for him. He's the antichrist like praying for the devil. And of course, you'd feel you're very discerning because he becomes everything that you said he was. Mm -hmm. But you really weren't discerning because what happened was a result of you abandoning your prayer assignment. We need your prayers to pray on behalf of those in authority. They have the same needs we do. They're locked up in a political system. Everybody around them wants something from them. Many of them don't even have real friends. Real friends that don't want something from them. What do they need? Same things you and I need. We want to belong. We want friends that will love us, be devoted to us, who don't do it because we give them something. They need health. They need provision. They need to be fulfilled. They need to feel like they have some value. All the same kind of needs you and I have. So, So, what do we do? We pray for them. If they're people that, if they are people that just don't hear God, then we pray God, you know, kind of use your influence around them and restrict their influence, so that your purposes can be accomplished in the earth. God, we desire to see an advancement of your purposes in the earth. Amen. Look at verse two again. He said that that we may lead a tranquil and quiet life in all godliness and dignity. Well, if you've turned on your TV in the last two months, of course that's what you've seen. Just that. Everywhere. (laughs) You're right. Probably the opposite of that. Completely. The intention is if you pray for leaders, the people around you, the people you work with, the people you work for, we're actually setting the stage for a healthy life. A healthy life community life where the streets are safe hey guys i come from just north of seattle where there's peace on the streets where there's joy and prosperity community life whole and healthy relationships and all of these things are a result of praying for everybody when you pray for them, not against them. We're actually setting the stage to come into a healthy season of productive community life. I love what you do here. I love how you do it. You're learning community on the job training, aren't you? For some of you, it's a hiccup. Why? Because then I got everybody in my business. I don't like welcome to community life I put something in the refrigerator and somebody ate it (laughs) God wants healthy communities productive communities mutual benefit communities relationships strong families healthy Friendships forever, partnerships, belonging, all that's a result of praying on behalf of. Look what the text says then. It says, this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. I don't know if you're getting this, but this whole process for life ends with an incredible display of God's heart for all to be saved. It might be fair to say that this process, praying on behalf of, leads, can lead, will lead to the most significant revival of all time. This says God's desire for you is to have a quiet and peaceful life. This is what, that that word desire is interchangeable with the word hope. This is what God, did you ever think about what God hopes for? Kind of a funny thought, isn't it? He desires this type of life. But he's not going to force it on you. He's set the stage for it. He's given us tools for it. But he's not going to make it happen. How many of you realize at some point you become a co-laborer with him? That means you have responsibilities. You have authority that has to be exercised. Mm -hmm. And you have to embrace personal responsibility for this assignment we're talking about. This prayer assignment. So you can see the purposes of God exercising the earth. So we can come into what he longs for, what he hopes for, what he desires for us. Do you ever think about many of the things that come to you actually begin as dreams of God? You thought they were your dreams. (laughs) They actually came from his heart. And you just happened to get in on it. But they're not guaranteed. Well, God said it. That settles it. No, it doesn't. Spirit of stupid's all over that thing. God said it. But you're going to have to cooperate to access it. The peace lifestyle, that sets a stage for massive, massive conversions. Desiring that all men would be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. I want to suggest to you that God has some incredibly significant plans for you in this season. Nick, I speak to you, to Davis, to the leaders here. For more and more people to come to faith in Christ, He's going to cause the purpose of community to go way beyond the fellowship that it is and become an incredible, awesome tool of evangelism. Yeah. Yeah. There's going to be increasing boldness in your lives. We're going to quit fishing with a fishing pole and we're going to start fishing with nets. You're going to find some unusual demonstrations of the kindness and the goodness of God right in front of your eyes. You're going to find some unusual demonstrations of the power of God. In front of your eyes, they're going to be visitations on households. Zacchaeus, that you never thought. Why would God go to their house? His goodness, his kindness. It's going to bring people to understand his love as a father. Y'all okay with all that? Yeah. Yes. Let's do something. I want you to go ahead and stand up right where you are. Mm -hmm. I'm going to ask you to close your eyes just for a moment. I really feel the Lord wants to give us an upgrade in effective prayer. There was a song written some time ago that says where you go, I'll go. What you pray, I'll pray. And that's exactly right. God, please show me what you're praying and I want to pray with you. So I feel like the Lord's going to give us an anointing of grace to celebrate people who we wouldn't normally enjoy. Sometimes I find myself on the airplanes and looking through magazines and, and I'll see an advertisement for a Christian conference. I do pretty good at managing my own heart. I don't accuse or ponder or criticize. But sometimes my heart twinges, and if it does, I'll just turn the page. I don't judge. Then recently, the Lord challenged me to turn back the page and look again at the pictures that concern me. And I would stare at the individual speakers of my I knew, until I could feel the pleasure of the Lord for them. I found out that my heart has eyes and as I look through the eyes of my heart I can feel the pleasure of the Lord for the one I'm looking at. Mm -hmm. Men and women, that that very simple activity will keep you from the infection of the political spirit that always accuses and stirs up anger. Mm -hmm. It feeds on the failures of people. It feeds on dead things. But the pleasure of the Lord never ignores sin, but it delights in potential. It looks at Peter as a broken reed and calls him a rock. That's what the eyes of the heart do. Mm -hmm. Someone asked you to just kind of put your hands out in front of you like somebody's going to hand you a box or something. Father, I ask in the name of Jesus that you would release right now a fresh mantle of prayer without accusation, without divisiveness, without criticism, a mantle of loving prayer for people. Lord, we want to see our cities healed. We want to see our nation healed. We want to see all men saved. We want the boat to be sinking because there's so many fish, beyond what we can control because the harvest is so large. Lord, I pray for the mantle of prayer to rest, rest upon these men and women. All of our guests. Lord, I pray that you would set up corporately for the increased anointing as we pray in the weeks ahead. For healings, for miracles, deliverance, demonstrations of power. Lord, we pray this. In Jesus' name would you look up here at me for a moment does that make some sense to you you okay you have an assignment I have an assignment and I believe it is so critical because I believe it is actually what affects the influence of our leaders and if we abdicate if we abandon our assignment then all sorts of crap influences our leaders and guess where that gets us but when we take up that assignment we pray not at them but on behalf of them how do you do that God let me see through your eyes let me look through the eyes of your heart so that I can see them as you see them Lord let me see their potential you don't focus on the sin you focus on the potential that's a great lesson for marriage 101 isn't it for those of you that are in that kind of relationship Lord, give me eyes to see. Let me see to the eyes of my heart. My spouse. or whoever. Because then it doesn't focus on their weaknesses and their failures. It focuses on their potential. You know, how many of you have ever received a prophetic word over your life, that kind of thing? Something that you feel has been spoken by God, whether through another human or maybe just God to your heart via Holy Spirit? Those prophetic words, you know what they are? They're descriptions of your potential. That's good. God said it, That settles it. Like, no, 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 no. It's a description of your potential which you have to engage Amen. as a co-laborer Amen. in order for it to become reality. Lord, thy kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Mm-hmm. So we're talking about prayer. We're talking about an upgrade in our prayer life. And specifically targeting those that are around us but those that are leaders around us, even in our cities, states, and nations. Amen. Men and women, we need it now as never before. Yeah. We cannot abandon this assignment. Mm-hmm. Absolutely critical. Mm-hmm. So we rise up to the challenge. Mm-hmm. Amen? Amen. Amen. Yes. Amen. Amen.